Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. That David Show, and we are lucky enough to be joined by RJ Achoa, manager and editor of uh, Blogging the Boys. I apologize. Blogging the Boys. Follow him at RJ Achoa. How are you doing today, RJ? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. Uh, football's here, uh, and we've been waiting a long time for it, so it's nice to kind of have things be normal. But the, uh, all right, is it normal, though? As, a, as someone who follows the Cowboys, and I'm sure that you perhaps have Cowboy fandom in your heart, when, I mean, you went through last year, I was watching the game when Dak got the compound fracture. I I was literally saying, go down, Dak, go down, because he had broken two tackles, was going for a third, and you start to hear about the shoulder and now him getting another MRI. How does that feel for, I guess, the Cowboy fandom and for you? It does feel normal uh, just because there's, there's <laughs> always there's always a reason to be on alert. There's always a reason to be panic to be nauseous i mean so in that sense that really does feel normal um it also feels normal in that um you know it, it does feel like like everything's all going to be okay with that it feels i know the, the report of the second mri freaked a lot of people out but it, it is just kind of a confirmation thing um and so it's normal that you know the world is freaking out about something that might not necessarily be a bigger deal but that's just kind of the way it goes and so uh, it's par for the course. So it's kind of nice to see that nothing changed uh, and that football season is, 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 is as we've always known it to be. So is, is, has that become part of the funness of being a, a Cowboys fan? Like just just in general, you never know what can happen. You know what I'm saying? Even if the team necessarily isn't winning, you never know what can happen when you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, something I'd say all the time is, um, you know, you're never going to be doing your Christmas shopping. Like you're never going to be that late into the season and have them be out of it. Like they, they will never be the team that, you know, last year was really bad, obviously, but they were still alive. Right? They, they were still mathematically alive and they were still uh, an interesting story. Now, granted they um, around Christmas time, they were flexed off of prime time for the first time ever. Um, and so they did lose a little bit of interest, but some of that's just, you know, nobody's getting, you know, nobody's pumped to watch Andy Dalton on Sunday night football. Um, but, but it is really normal um, to have them just be at the center of attention. And this year is actually a little bit more unique in that sense. I can't think of a year where the team, where, where at least one team played in both the Pro Football Hall of Fame game and the season kickoff game. The Cowboys obviously last week in the Hall of Fame game and then week one uh, at Tampa on that Thursday night. And they're on hard knocks. So they are just like at the center of the NFL's attention right now, beyond the fact that they're already the Dallas Cowboys. So there is this heightened attention. Uh, they've been in California, which is, you know, just adds to it. They're one of the only teams to travel and go somewhere else for training camp. And so uh, it is very normal, to be honest, uh, to have them kind of be dominating the stories and, and just be, you know, the thing and the place that everybody wants to talk about. Now, listen, I, I like to have this little saying where I say I put on my GM cap and I, I love what Dak Prescott has done with his career. Um, I think he should have been paid years ago. But really, to be honest with you, when it got to that situation last year, I probably would have paid Dak. I probably would have went out and tried to give me a rookie quarterback because there's so much money that the Cowboys are already spending at other positions. So if you were the GM 
is it a situation where you know what we're close? Dax the engine because I clearly he's the uh, he's the, the leader. You saw what he did at the beginning of last year when he had to bring your that team back at the beginning of the season. But would you have just been like we're close? I'm sticking with Dak, or would you have thrown caution to the wind and looked at it as perhaps you may help your team a little bit if you get a rookie quarterback in there and don't have to pay that quarterback that big contract that Dak just received? I think it's about more than being close. I think that Dak is what makes them close. You know, mm-hmm. without Dak, they're they're not even anywhere close to being close. And so, um, you know, we've been singing and, and championing Dak's cause, you know, and, and praises for, for a long time now. And two years ago when he was first eligible, we talked about, look, they've got to get this done. It's it's If they, if they wait, if they drag their feet, they're just going to end up paying more money. They're going to pay all the money with the franchise tag, et cetera. And it, you know, and good for Dak. I mean, like at the end of the day, I want, and, I'm, and we all want to see every NFL player get as much money as they possibly can while they can. Definitely. So good for Dak that financially he ultimately benefited from this, but this was really poorly handled from the team standpoint. I mean, they, they paid him a substantially larger amount of money than they would have had to if they had just had some foresight, kind of like, I mean, like a lot of teams did, like pe- people bag on teams that miss on the quarterback contracts, but the Rams are not worse off for paying Jared Goff. The Eagles are not worse off for paying Carson Wentz. Those things would have been wise if they had paid off. And that's why I think the Bills are smart for paying Josh Allen. Uh, and why the Ravens and Browns are going about this poorly for not paying Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield. Um, it's it's football. It's American football. You have to. You, it's not a debate. You have to have this piece. Um, you know, I fall into a category where, you know that believes Dak is a top five quarterback. And a lot of people look at last year and say he was on pace for 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. That was never going to happen. That was, you know, I, I don't believe that that was going to happen. I think that things, even if he hadn't gotten hurt, would have regressed, would have gotten closer to the mean. Uh, but he is, he has evolved. And um, you don't pay a guy specifically to be your leader, but he, like, I, I, that's why I really enjoyed the first episode of Hard Knocks because I think people get to see he is people hear the term and the phrase like he's a leader or whatever. And they just kind of think of it the way they, they think of football, but he is truly the face of the franchise. I mean, he is the absolute unquestioned leader in a way that nobody really has been in a long time. These Cowboys have had a lot of, you know, dominant figures lead their team and a lot of veterans who have done a lot of things. Jason Witten's going to be a hall of famer. DeMarcus Ware is going to be a hall of famer. All these guys have had different points of leadership within their team. But nobody has come anywhere close to the way that Dak holds that. I mean, Tony Romo didn't have that as much as I love him. Dak is truly unique in that sense. Um, And so I do think that there would have been a a sense of, um, you know, a a sense of not breaking. But, but, you know, there would have been a lot of upset people within the locker room, within the franchise if they hadn't paid Dak. So I think all those factors considered, um, including the one that he is a top five quarterback, lead, you know, lead you to realizing the path of least resistance is just to pay him. Let me ask you this real quick. Is or will Dak Prescott become a better quarterback than Joe, Tony Romo was? I think he is. Um, I, I think he is if you look at the like the mean of Tony Romo's career. And that's what's so unfair for Dak sometimes, or what, what used to be unfair. Um, so I've written about this before. The, the way that people remember Tony Romo was in 2014 when he was incredible. That was Romo at the peak of his powers. He'd finally understood the game at a mental level um, and, and, you know, was, was doing things at the line of scrimmage that we've seen elite quarterbacks do over time. He played four games in 2015 and, you know, didn't finish two of them. And then he retired, obviously, because he missed all of them. He didn't miss 2016, but he didn't play because Dak did. Then he retired. And so the last version of, of Romo that people remember 
is the greatest version of who he was, you know? And so that's, that's where everybody goes to in their mind. And that, you know, he evolved to that, but it took a long time for Roma to get there. And he was still a really fine quarterback, but um, I, you know, he became an incredible passer. Like I said, he, be, he became so well-versed in kind of the intricacies of the game. And Dak is getting there. Dak is obviously a mobile quarterback, and we'll see how far he takes that this year, you know, whether he pumps the brakes on things. Because he spoke about that when he got his big contract, about how he realizes there's a huge financial commitment to him within the organization. But, I, I mean, if you value leadership, if you value locker room culture, he has that in spades, you know, over Romo. I mean, that part of, of the conversation is, is already done and slammed shut. Um, and so, you know, is he a better quarterback today than Romo was in 2014? Probably not, but he's certainly well on pace to get there. And like football's not about the people make it about wins and in comparing them. You know, I think I think the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East and be in position to win a playoff game. The next playoff game that Dak Prescott wins, whenever that happens, will tie him with Tony Romo for playoff wins as the Cowboys starting quarterback. So um, he's got a long way to go, and I do think he'll um, he'll ultimately write his name on a lot of records that Tony Romo has at the moment. That Davis show right now, I have RJ Choa, manager and editor in chief of Blogging the Boys. Follow him at RJ Choa. Let's switch to defense real quick. You guys switched out your defensive coordinator and your scheme. Is that enough with Dan Quinn coming? Because there's talent there, but is it their their right assembly of talent, particularly with going to a four three? Do you think this defense will be okay? Because really, with that offense, all you really need is a situational defense. You don't need it to be a lockdown defense. You just need it to bend but don't break. Yeah, I, I, I've been impressed so far. Um, and the bar to be impressed is not high, to be clear. Um, but I've been impressed with Dan Quinn. He's, he's been such a great teacher, which is something that the Cowboys have really struggled to find on the defensive side of the ball. Um, three years ago in 2018, when their defense was, was somewhat successful, uh, that was Leighton Vanderish's rookie year. That was the best year the Cowboys have gotten out of Jalen Smith so far. They had Byron Jones playing cornerback for the first time. And, and Chris Richard was kind of their pseudo defensive coordinator, and he was very different than Dan Quinn. They both obviously come from from the Seattle Seahawks system, um, but he was very aggressive, um, and a lot of people like that. Like a lot of people would see him on the sidelines yelling and screaming, and people think like that's what makes a great coach. And um, Dan Quinn can certainly yell, but he is such a great teacher. That's that's the word that that just I feel represents him the most. He's such a great teacher with players before practice, during practice, after practice, how they use their leverage, how they use their weight, why they're attacking the way they're attacking. And I just, that's been an element that was really lacking from this team. Um, I do think that they have talent, you know, in terms of guys that, that are returning. I think Demarcus Lawrence is very talented. I think that Randy Gregory is very talented. I think Neville Gallimore is really talented. I think that there is talent within Leighton Vanderish and, and at times within Jalen Smith. Obviously, they've added Micah Parsons. And, I mean, the Cowboys, you know, they, they, people like to think that Jerry Jones is going to go sign, like, big, splashy free agents. That has not been who the Cowboys have been for a very long time. So all their free agent signings were these low-level kind of bargain bin guys. Yes, they signed Keanu Neal, but a lot of depth guys, which is what they need. And, I mean, you know, they spent their first six picks in the draft on the defensive side of the ball, first time in franchise history they've done that. And so they, they are deeper, and that's – that's where they've really been challenged in different seasons is, you know, it's not, it's not a game where all 11 of your starters are going to be healthy weeks one through 16 or now 17 uh, or 18, I guess. And so, I mean, you have to be prepared for that. And they seem more prepared now. Um, I also think, you know, to your point, it, it would be difficult for them to be that bad again. Like the, the law of averages is working in their favor. That's not something you can rely on. 
Um, but, but I do think that they'll be, they'll be more sustainable. I think they'll generate more turnovers, you know, in the first four games of the season last year, which were the, the only four that Dak played start to finish the Cowboys offense started just two possessions on the positive side of the 50 yard line. The first mm. was in week one against the Los Angeles Rams after a Cheetah Bay Wuze interception. And the only other one was against the Atlanta Falcons after the onside kick that everybody saw. Outside of that, every possession they had started on their side of the field. And so you can have a great offense. You could have the best offense in the NFL. But if you're continually having to go 80 yards, 76 yards, 77 yards, 82 yards, I mean, at a certain point, it becomes impractical. And so I think that the defense will be better. You know, maybe they, I don't think they're going to be top 10, however you define that, or even top 15. But I think that they will create shorter fields. I think they'll get more turnovers. And I think that those things will be a rising tide that lifts all boats. I will say this. Um, it did benefit me having Dak as my starting quarterback on my fantasy team. All right, those yards that he was racking up at the beginning of last season. Yeah. All right, I will say that. But let me ask you this. Now, you have Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. Now you have Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts in the year plus of Mike McCarthy being the CEO of this football team as far as the players and the coaches? It's just such an interesting um, situation. I, you know, I don't even know if that's the right word. And I can't think of another one similar to, I mean, you could look at, I guess, any new head coach last year, maybe Matt Rule and Kevin Stefanski, obviously coaches who spent their first year with new teams during, during 2020. Um, but I also think, you know, the reason Mike McCarthy specifically was hired was because the Cowboys were viewed as a team that was ready to win now. I, I hate that term, but that, that is the general term. And that was why it was, it was Mike McCarthy over Matt Rule, over Lincoln Riley, over, over a younger coach that would have been a bit of a process to kind of get to where you want to be as a franchise. And so I think it's worth, you know, it's worth saying that his starting quarterback got hurt in week five. His right tackle missed every single game. His left tackle only played two games. His starting middle linebacker got hurt over and over and over again. Um, Football Outsiders has a metric called adjusted games lost due to injury. The Cowboys lost the second most games in the NFL uh, when it comes to injury, you know, players who were injured and didn't play in games, second most games in the NFL. And something like that does generally regress to the mean. You do generally see you know, teams that were at one end of the spectrum come back. Uh, the 49ers lost the most games. And so I think, you know, that we see that every year, like teams, you know, teams gravitate and people say like, well, where was this team last year? Well, they were hurt, you know, of the top 10 teams uh, who lost the fewest amount of games due to injuries. Nine of them made the playoffs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost the fewest games in the NFL due to injuries last year. Mm-hmm. Now they're a talented team, obviously, but they also had some luck going their way and that, you know, less players or less games were lost due to injury than literally every other team in the NFL. I um, so he, I mean, he dealt with an enormous amount of injuries. I also think, you know, I've said this and, and people think I cape for McCarthy, but he literally sat out the entire 2019 season and put together a plan. I've never spent a year of my life planning anything, but I imagine if I did, that the moment I had to enact that plan, that I would I would follow the plan that I laid out over the course of an entire year. And to Mike McCarthy's defense, I suppose, I mean, like on day six, that completely changed with COVID happening and all the social distancing. So everything he spent an entire year planning was completely worthless in a lot of, lot of senses. Um, I, and I also, I hate to make, you know, to include this uh, because life is so much more important than football, 
But Mike McCarthy, you know, Ted Thompson passed away last year. Kevin Green passed away last year. Both people who he worked with closely when he was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. The Cowboys dealt with a personal tragedy right before Thanksgiving. And so it was a, a, a year full of challenges in, in different ways and different circumstances. And so I, I don't. I don't think I can or anyone can properly evaluate Mike McCarthy and say, well, the guy's worthless. And he is, he is a really easy punching bag for people. It's, it's low hanging fruit to kind of pick on McCarthy for a lot of people. But even then, you know, pe- people are anointing Ron Rivera in Washington as this great coach who went through his own set of personal circumstances that, that far exceed anything related to football last year. And um, I'm a big fan of Ron Rivera, the person. But, you know, the, the Washington football team, just to use them as an example, won the division by one game over the Cowboys, despite all the funk the Cowboys dealt with. And so I just I don't view Mike McCarthy as being significantly behind, say, Ron Rivera or anything like that. I think that, you know, you could say this about a lot of teams, but with with everybody healthier, with everybody relatively healthy, I think that he has uh, an opportunity to impress. And I, I at least want to give him that opportunity, which I don't think he had last year. That's fair. I, I think that's fair. Now, outside of Dak, give me a couple of Cowboys that can make or break this season if they get hurt or don't perform up to snuff. You know, uh, Tyron Smith is probably the the biggest one when it comes to health. The Cowboys starting left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the NFL when healthy, but that that win has been such a question. Uh, he has Dak Prescott has never played an entire season with him, and that that kind of surprises people sometimes. But he has not mm. played a full regular season since 2015, and that was a regular season with 16 games. Now we're adding a 17th one. Uh, the Cowboys, it, it is. Unfortunately, most likely a matter of when and not if they will have to rely on on one of their swing tackles. And right now, they don't really have one that inspires a lot of confidence. And so if Tyron or Lyle Collins have to miss some time, suddenly the Cowboys offense is up a creek a little bit. Um, Outside of that, I mean, any injury on offense is unideal, but there isn't one that is impossible to overcome. The Cowboys are really deep at wide receiver. They now have two tight ends who they obviously can work in and rotate in different ways. Zeke Elliott is obviously or has been really special, but if he had to miss time, I don't think that that would really disrupt what they do offensively in, in a large, you know, sort of way that would be felt. Uh, defensively, I mean, if Demarcus Lawrence had to miss time, he's the best player on that defense, and so they would truly have no edge rush. And Micah Parsons, I think he's already that important. I think if he had to miss mm. time, um, the Cowboys would have to lean on Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, and that has been an idea that has not really gotten them anywhere over the course of the last two years. Hmm. How do Cowboys fans generally feel, and this includes you, of course, about the team winning it all, getting back to the days of the triplets, or getting close to the days of the triplets? Um, it seems like the Cowboys have just been been stuck in a rut when it comes to getting to that top, top-tier level that they were during the first half of the 90s. Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating. Um, you know, like, I, I love the Hall of Fame weekend. It's, it's you know, and it's a lot of it's because it's, it's it signifies football coming back. Uh, but like this Hall of Fame weekend last week, you know, Peyton Manning goes into the NFL or, or the Hall of Fame. Right. And everybody acknowledges that he's set all these records. He's accomplished all these things. He played, you know, late into his career. He played for a very long time. People talk about him being old later in his career. He has already sat out the mandatory five years to the point that he can be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His entire career has happened in the drought that the Cowboys have been in. You know, I mean, Mm. Tom Brady's entire career has happened in this entire drought. I mean, you know, again, people make jokes all the time about how old Tom Brady is and how he's still playing and how this is this has gone on forever. 
that has literally encompassed the entire Cowboys draft. Uh, you know, there are only two teams that have not been to an NFC championship game um, in longer spells than the Cowboys currently. And that's, that's the Detroit Lions and the Washington football team. Not exactly a company that you want to keep uh, within the NFC. It's, you know, the, when the Cowboys won a, last won a Super Bowl, John Elway did not have a Super Bowl win of any kind. He obviously went on to have two, <laughs> two as a player. Um, yeah, that's that's my favorite one because he, he had two as a player. Uh, a he, he, he retired, was enshrined into the Hall of Fame, began a whole new career on the personnel side of the game, you know, elevated himself to the point of becoming a general manager and literally built his own team that won a Super Bowl, including a player that had a long career with the Cowboys into Marcus Ware. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of jokes and, and there's a lot of fun to be had there, but it's frustrating. I mean, I'm 31 years old. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole generation of Cowboys fans that, that haven't experienced those types of things. And what gets frustrating is how valuable the franchise continues to be. They're the most mm. valuable, most visible, most seen, most coveted professional sports team in the world, which, you know, I love European soccer. The fact that they can outrank the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona and United and crazy. You know, now PSG, it is absurd. Um, mm. And so they, they are wildly entertaining and they have given me a lot of memories that I cherish, but um, it's just, it's unfortunate that they haven't done this or they haven't accomplished it. They've come close and some of the, some of the, their faults are not their own. Sometimes they've, they've had, you know, unfortunate circumstances, Des caught it. I mean, whatever, but there are a lot of you know, issues. That, <laughs> you got um, to sleep in there real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Des caught it. I love, I love you know, it. but like, like I'm, I've said for years, like, I don't think they would have, they would have won that game. They probably would have won that NFC championship game, but they wouldn't have beaten the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, so, um, but you know, that's the thing. Like they're, they just can't get over this hump and they just, they find the most creative and heartbreaking ways to ultimately um, kind of, kind of fall short. I mean, a number of talented players have passed through their organization whose careers that they've squandered. I mean, I mentioned DeMarcus Ware. We talked about Tony Romo, Jason Witten, uh, Tyron Smith is near the end of his career. Lyle Collins, maybe Travis Frederick already retired. I mean, a number Des Bryant, Des Bryant is the franchise leader in receiving touchdowns, played his entire career and never got to an NFC title game. I mean, the talent has been there. The materials have been there. They just haven't come close and it's frustrating. Listen, I've, I, I've never liked the, the, the tag America's team when it comes to the Cowboys, but Jimmy Johnson and the triplets, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith, Dude, it was fantastic to watch as a youngster. All right. It was uh, it was beautiful. I don't even know if there's ever been a team with that much talent because you got to think about free agency. It just started and teams started to just take the depth out of that team. So we didn't even get to see, get to see some of the guys that were behind some of these players because of free agency, and how well Jimmy had built up that team. How do Cowboys fans feel about the disrespect that Jerry Jones has done to, to Jimmy as far as him just now getting in the ring of honor? And to me, Jimmy is the second most important cowboy behind Landry, I think. Like, it's Landry, then it's Jimmy, because that's that's the best cowboy era you have right there. And it just seems petty. That I can understand if you have a break, but you, you could get over and initially you can remember the good times and what this person helped you achieve. And it just seems like the Jerry should be above that. But I don't know what it is that they he, they he, the dislike seems intense. Yeah, I mean, I think most Cowboys, there isn't a Cowboys fan. You go to any 
anybody's home, any bar, any whatever. Uh, there isn't a Cowboys fan that takes Jerry's side against Jimmy. Um, and it's frustrating. And it's, it's frustrating to think about. We do a show at Blog and the Boys. Uh, I do a show with Tony Casillas, who won the first two Super Bowls with the Cowboys. And so he's always telling Jimmy stories on our network, and that's a lot of fun. Um, but you know, everybody talks about how unfortunate the breakup was and you know, it, it's a big thing. I mean, obviously. And so, um, it, it, I think thinking about it frustrates people because they realize that the guy was could have. I don't know that the they guy was four. three in a row. They or, four. Or, yeah, I mean, you, you, can play that, you can, they you can play that game and, and I understand that, but you know, you never know what happens, but yeah, the overwhelming likelihood is that they went four in a row. And that, that probably never gets touched. And that's really unfortunate. That's really frustrating. It's unfortunate that, you know, if, if they have four in a row, Troy Aikman is viewed differently. Emmett Smith is viewed differently. My, you know, all these legacies are viewed differently for all these players who were a part of it. Um, so it's frustrating. I think, you know, it's awesome that Jimmy Johnson's in the Hall of Fame. He had a unique career as far as, as, far as Hall of Fame coaches go. And it's, it's really nice to see him get his due. On the subject of the Ring, or, uh, Ring of Honor, though, I mean, something that, that I said on our podcast network last week is, it was great to see Jerry say that a week ago today. And I am very excited about Jimmy going into the ring of honor. But uh, first of all, when the Cowboys had their state of the union address, when they first got to Oxnard uh, about three weeks ago, now Jerry was asked specifically about Jimmy going into the hall of fame and whether he would go into the ring of honor. And Jerry specifically said, I don't want to talk about the ring of honor. I don't want to take away from Jimmy's hall of fame weekend by talking about the ring of honor. And then five minutes before the Hall of Fame game, what's Jerry doing? He's talking about Jimmy going into the Ring of Honor. Uh, so that was, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know why people didn't remember that, you know, last week. And so uh, the other thing, though, is, you know, it felt kind of, I mean, like, I realized that Jerry had not confirmed that Jimmy was going into the Ring of Honor, but it felt really obvious. Like, you can't exclude him if he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it wasn't like earth-shattering news. And finally... Okay, cool. So you you gave us this earth shatter this non earth shattering news that you told us you weren't going to do, but you he didn't even tell us when. You know, like it, it was just he's going to go into the Ring of Honor. Cool. When is that going to happen? Because you know, unless you're going like you're not really giving us any new information. You know what I mean? Like, the, but for I mean, and it is cool. He says he's going into the Ring of Honor, but this is a unique situation. You know, to put someone in the Ring of Honor, it's generally at halftime of a Cowboys game, whatever. Blah blah blah. You know, most Cowboys home games are played on Sundays and Jimmy Johnson works for Fox. So he has obligations on Sundays. Uh, so just kind of doing the math, the, the only real opportunity the Cowboys have, that I think, that Jimmy could attend is their week three Monday night game against the Eagles. Because obviously that's not a Sunday. And so is it going to happen then? Are they going to tell us it's going to happen then? Because if you're just going to tell us it's going to happen someday in the future, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really do anything for me. It, it, it seems disingenuous. It's, it seems a little bit like Jerry just wanting a piece of the attention last week. And that's where a lot of Cowboys fans are. They get frustrated by things like that. They get frustrated hearing Jerry get teary-eyed a few weeks ago saying, I messed up, whatever. Because if you really feel like you messed up, then when, what's the day? When are you putting him in? What's the plan? Because right now you're just dragging your feet. RJ, I got three more questions. All right. The last one for the Cowboys. What's your prediction for the Cowboys this season? You know, if you told me their over-under was 10 and a half wins, I'd probably slightly lean over. I think they're winning between 10 and 11 games. I think that's good enough for an NFC East title. Um, and I, I, I really think just because football can be such a, a poetic creature, I think the Cowboys are going to win a play. I think, well, I'll put it this way. I think Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer 
will be a home loss at Lambeau Field in the playoffs to the Dallas Cowboys, the team he's tormented forever, led by the head coach who he ran out of town and Mike McCarthy. That just seems <laughs> like it fits to me. Uh, so um, I don't know what round of the playoffs that happens in, but, but I do see that happening uh, come January. I have we, – we did a show with me and Ryan the other day, and I have if Dak is healthy, it's no question that the Cowboys to me should win the NFC East. Now I want you to go around the NFC East and tell me your predictions for every team in the NFC – the other teams in the NFC East. You know, I, as far as – records are so hard, but I, I do think that I can I can project how I think the division shakes out. I am not as low on the Eagles as most people are. Um, hmm. I, I believe in Jalen Hurts a little bit, and, and I'm really excited to kind of see what he – I mean, excited as a Cowboys fan. Just he's, he's a fun guy. He's an easy guy to root for, so I'm interested to see that. But I could see Jalen winning – you know, the Eagles winning about eight games. I could see that, you know, because – the NFC East, I mean, they play the AFC West. So you're talking the Eagles get a game against the Broncos. They get a game against the Raiders. They get to play the Jets as courtesy of the new 17th game. Um, I think I am very low on the New York Giants. So that's a little bit of a spoiler. So I think the Eagles can sweep them. I think they could, you know, split the series with Washington. I mean, I could see them kind of getting to seven, eight wins and, and that being good enough for a second. I do think that Washington – has an incredible defense, but I am in no way a believer in Ryan Fitzpatrick, the NFL quarterback. Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the best quarterback under pressure last year, but that is generally a statistic where players don't repeat that same level of success. And so uh, I think it was a little bit lightning in a bottle. And what's more is we, we have seen, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I can guarantee there, there will be a game in September where he does something awesome. There will be a lot of memes and everybody will talk like Twitter will be a buzz with Fitz magic. Like that will happen, but the bottom will come out because that's what happens with Ryan Fitzpatrick In an unfortunate circumstance for Washington, their last five games in a row are all against NFC East teams. I don't know why the NFL did that, um, but obviously that's a really important part of their schedule. And I don't think that Ryan will be that great at that point. And what's more is within that stretch, there is a four-week stretch where they play Philly and Dallas each twice in three weeks. I think the four weeks are Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly. Hmm. Um, And so I just, I mean, I would not bet on Ryan Fitzpatrick in general, let alone in a crucial month like the month of December. So um, I think that they faltered a third in the division. There is only one team in the NFC that I believe is worse than the Giants, and that's the Detroit Lions. I do not believe in the Giants at all. I think that they have some talent, but I just, it all seems messy. And I felt this way before all the retirements and everything. Um, I just, that seems, my other prediction, I mean, uh, Jason Garrett will be the head coach of the Giants this time next year. That, that has been predestined for, this is, this has been written in the stars. Um, Jason Garrett is, is the future head coach of the New York Giants. That has felt really obvious for a long time. Oh, you heard that right here from RJ Achua. Last one from the outside looking in. What are your thoughts on the Bears so far? And maybe not a record, but what we can expect from them this season. The Bears. Um, okay. Um, so my dog's name is Bear. And so I have um, – I really do have like a soft spot in my heart for the Bears. They're his second favorite team. Um, and I love Justin Fields. <laughs> I, I am so happy that he went to Chicago as opposed to Denver, as opposed to Carolina – I like when players, like everybody, 
that I like end up with. I do really appreciate the Bears. I appreciate the the history associated with the franchise. I appreciate that they're kind of an NFL blue blood. I would love to see them be really great. I would love to see the NFC North belong to them for a long time. I'm so sick of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so I'm excited. And I, I there's just something about the Bears, and like you know, I, I hope that Soldier Field isn't sold or the new place isn't built, and there's a different Thank name. You. Like this. There's there's Thank something you. about there's some there's something about this particular franchise that feels you know sacred to me, um, just because I'm a huge NFL fan along with being a Cowboys fan, and so I I really you know I don't believe in that much in the Packers, or rather I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers can can cash this check that he's written because he has. I mean, th- there's no way that he can accomplish anything that will justify the way he was all offseason. There's no way. I mean, unless they just storm through the regular season and win the Super Bowl, but that is incredibly unlikely. I mean, I've talked about injuries. Like, the Packers have been very fortunate with injuries over the last couple of years. They haven't been dealt these bugs or these hurdles that other teams have had. And, um, you know, I, I, Randall Cobb was an incredible cowboy, really great person, really great locker room guy. I don't believe that Randall Cobb is like the missing piece. Right. Um, to the Packers in 2021. Right. And so um, I, I could I would I could really see them struggling and I really would love to see how that unfolds. If, if they're 500 in November, I would love to see the dichotomy between Aaron and, and Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and everybody. Um, but so I know this is a question about the Bears. I think the Bears are in, in the right place to challenge them because I think, you know, the Lions are a mess and the Packers are a mess waiting to happen. And I, I could totally see, you know, the Cowboys played the Vikings in week eight, I believe. And I know that Dallas and Minnesota are both coming off of their bye entering that game. And so I, that's just kind of the right time. I could see if Kirk is struggling and things aren't right and Vikings fans are getting loud. Coming off of the bye, I've thought maybe, you know, we, we see this a lot. You know, teams, you know, they make a switch to a rookie during the bye, so they give them the extra week to prepare. Um, mm-hmm. I could see Kellen Mond jumping in for uh, for Kirk later on in the season. So I could totally see Chicago being a wild card team. And, and if things break really right, winning the division. But I, I do think it's a matter of time before Justin Fields is, is the king of the north. And I'm really excited to watch that happen. I can't wait, but you heard it here. RJ Choi with Kellen Munn supplants Kirk Cousins this year. You heard it right here. RJ, appreciate it. Everyone follow him at RJ Choi. Great talking to you, man. This was fantastic. This was fun. You have a terrific day, man. Appreciate it, man. You too. Uh, I'll be rooting for the Bears, like I said, and so am I, dog. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. 